everyone. Thanks for listening to my podcast, The Matrix, The Gnostic Gospel and Christianity. It's a comparison between the philosophical ideas behind the Matrix movie and the Christian gospel. So I hope you enjoy listening to it. I'll first start off by giving a summary of the Gnostic gospel, then the Christian story, and then the Matrix. Then I move on to several other sections to discuss the similarities and differences between the elements of these three narratives. So the reason to talk about the Gnostic gospel is because the Matrix movie is essentially based on the philosophical ideas of the Gnostics. So who were the Gnostics? The Gnostics were a group of Jewish Christians between the years 0 to 600 AD who were then considered to be heretics by the Christians because their beliefs were not exactly mainstream in that their ideas were not exactly those found in the Christian Bible. The Gnostics is an umbrella term describing over 60 different groups of followers in those times with some variations between their beliefs. The narrative of the Gnostic Gospel essentially is that The material world we live in is evil and that a select group of people has been chosen to be revealed this truth, the truth that in order to save ourselves from ignorance, we first need to be revealed this truth, make the choice to accept it, only then can we be set free and gain salvation. A lot of the terminology is similar to the Christian gospel. Truth, save, salvation, freedom, ignorance, choice. In fact, A lot of philosophies of the world use similar terminology and would have different beliefs on what they mean and the means to achieve them. Likewise, these terms are being used over and over again in the first Matrix movie. Part of this podcast is about teasing out the differences of the definitions behind these words between the two different worldviews. So I'm making a comparison between the Matrix, also sometimes being referred to directly as the Gnostic belief here, and the Christian gospel. And I'm talking in particular in relation to the Reformed Christian belief. The biblical story, as I understand it, can be summarized as such. Before the world was, God existed first in the Trinity, God the Son and the Holy Spirit. He was not created, nor was he made. He is God and has always existed. The world and everything in it was created by the Almighty God and he called it good. Human beings were good creation that were given a choice to follow their creator or to rebel against him. Human beings chose to rebel, that is, to sin against God, and were then forever separated from God as a punishment. Being a just God, there had to be judgment and wrath for this rebellion. Being a merciful God, there was also forgiveness. In order for both of these characteristics to be manifested in the one being, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, as the sacrificial lamb to bear the wrath of all human beings in order that all are forgiven should they choose to believe in Christ. For a long time in history, the Bible tells us that there would be one sent from God, the chosen Messiah, who would come and die for our sins, so that all will be forgiven if they believe and find salvation. At some point in history, around 3 AD, Jesus of Nazareth was born on earth. He was the one who would die for the sins of the world. He was the Son of God, chosen from the very beginning of time to be the sacrificial lamb to reconcile the world with their creator. The life and death of Jesus is the ultimate example of God's love for his people because God wanted his people for himself. He wants them to turn back to him. But there must be a cost, 
and that was the sacrificial lamb, Jesus. So Jesus was born on earth. He lived here for about 30 or so years. And towards the end of his short life, he was crucified by the Jews under Pontius Pilate. Three days after his death, he rose to life, i.e. he was resurrected, defeating death, showing that God has power over all things, including death. Upon his resurrection and just before his ascension into heaven to be with God the Father, Jesus commissioned his followers to tell the world about his kingdom and told them he will one day return. The Bible ends by giving a description of what it will be like in the end when God returns. God will be worshipped by all again, what we commonly call heaven, and those who do not believe will not get to enjoy his presence, what we commonly call hell. This synopsis of the Christian arc is important in my analysis because it lays the foundational lens through which I analyze the matrix. This podcast is essentially a comparison of the similarities and differences between the movie and the Christian gospel. For what purpose, you might ask? Mainly for my own entertainment. But to be honest, it also helps me understand my Christian faith more. And if it helps others see more clearly the Christian gospel and to be challenged in their worldview, that would be my joy and privilege. I will time and again draw references from the Bible and therefore the Christian narrative just summarized very briefly above, bearing in mind that the the summary lacks a lot of details, such as how creation was created for the glory of God, for him and not for human beings although human beings are invited to be part of it and to enjoy it. Therefore, the purpose of existence, using big words here, is to live this life in worship of God, whatever our lot. So before I can make any comparisons between the Christian story and the Matrix story, it is only apt that I summarize my interpretation of the Matrix movie. So here it is. Working as an IT guy in a big company and also a secret hacker as a side job, Neo, the main character, lives a double life. He is said to have been looking for something more to the visible world. There's something wrong with the world, but he can't quite articulate what exactly it is. Neither can he identify what he's searching for. The story starts by introducing how he's been found by some mysterious man who's been looking for him and that because he was found, he is in danger. This man, Morpheus, has been looking for Neo, and because he found Neo, agents are trying to stop the meeting between the two men. When they manage to meet, Morpheus and his aides bring Neo to a safe place to talk. We learn that there exists a world outside of the one Neo knows, in which a select few live, that is the real world. People who live there have realised something, they've realised the truth, that the world Neo lives in is not real, that it is in fact a world created and controlled by the AIs to sustain the existence of the AIs. Every action, every motivation is controlled by the AIs who are the creator and controller of every being and everything in the dream world. This dream world is in fact the title of the movie The Matrix. The purpose of the human being's existence is to eventually die and be harvested to become batteries to fuel the AI's kingdom. Having been revealed that he lives in the Matrix, Neo is given a choice, whether he wants to live in truth or to continue living in ignorance. Once he has chosen to leave the Matrix, he cannot return to it. In other words, it's a one-way journey into the real world. The catch is that Neo cannot be told, or rather he wouldn't understand it 
if he was told what it's like in the real world. The only way to find out is to journey there. A leap of faith is required. Neo chooses to leave the Matrix, and there is an ex- extended scene on the journey in which he's transformed from his ordinary body. He's stripped naked and then almost mimicking the birth of a child. He emerges from a pod that looks like a placenta. His connection behind his neck that resembles an umbilical cord gets disconnected and then he wakes up in the real world. Starting afresh in the real world, almost like an infant, Neo has a lot to learn. Living in the real world, we learn, is not easy. It means having to fight against their creator, the AIs, who send little machines called sentinels to search for their crew and to destroy them, the rebels who turned away. They also need to fight agents, AIs living as human beings in the Matrix to keep everything in good order, in particular to destroy or remove those who try to persuade others to join their crew in the real world. These agents are powerful, they can kill. To quote the movie, when you see an agent, run. It's a steep learning curve for Neo, notwithstanding that, Neo faces a unique challenge. He's told that he's the one, the Messiah, who will end the war between the Creator and the freed human beings in the real world. Almost like that in the Christian Gospel, he would be the bridge between the Creator and human beings to bring peace. Not everyone believes this, and Neo was doubtful at first. He then consults the Oracle, who vaguely tells him that if he believes the one, then he would be the one. This leaves Neo questioning whether he was chosen to be the one. This also leaves a question mark for the viewer. So is the one a chosen being or is the Messiah just anyone who has enough faith to believe he can end wars? As it turns out, Neo does exhibit some power that other human beings in the real world do not have, showing that he might be the one. But then we still don't know if he has these power because he was chosen or because he believes he was chosen. This is an important point because in the Christian gospel, Jesus of Nazareth was sent by God and had always known he came to earth to sacrifice himself because he is God himself. He came to earth to wash the feet of his own people even though he was technically a king. Whereas Neo's character is the opposite. He doesn't seem to know what he's doing. He doesn't know if he was the chosen one. But then we see a development in the character where he slowly becomes more and more sure of himself as being the one. So to finish up my synopsis of The Matrix, I was saying Neo was told he was the chosen one. And the end of the first movie doesn't give the audience a definite answer, but it does end with a clear plot. There's the good guys, Morpheus and his gang in the real world. There's the bad guys, the AIs and the agents. And then there's the one who will end the war. And the ending of the first movie shows Neo evangelizing to people in the dream world about the truth. He's bringing in more disciples into salvation. It's a brief scene, but I really enjoyed it because it's quite similar to the Christian's way of evangelism. So that is my summary of The Matrix first movie. I shall now begin my analysis. The first section is, do we have a choice when it comes to our salvation and are those choices real? I argue here that The Matrix suggests that Neo and all other human beings have a real choice to save themselves from The Matrix in order to live a real life in the real world. Whereas in Christianity, Calvinistic belief, humans don't have a choice whether they are saved. It is completely in the hands of God whether a person is saved or not. This section starts off by interpreting the scene where Neo meets Morpheus 
for the first time and he's told the truth about the Matrix. All his life and all other human beings he's told lives in an artificially engineered world called the Matrix. All of their desires, motivations and actions are controlled and watched by the creators, the artificial intelligence or the machines. The sad part is the humans do not realize they're being controlled. They think they're in charge of their life. According to Morpheus, then, they live in a dream world, whereby all their dreams, actions, desires, that they think they're achieving some goal in life is futile. Futile because they're not in control of their own destiny. Futile because they think they're free to take actions for their own life and make choices to live in certain ways, but they're in fact not free to do that. Their false sense of freedom is programmed. Upon this revelation of the truth, Neo is given a choice. Does he want to continue living in the Matrix where he's familiar but somehow knows that something is not quite right, something is missing? We're told that Neo has been searching for something more to the material world that he sees, though he knows not what. On the other hand, does he want to enter the real world? But in order to do this, he has to give up the Matrix completely. For those who have been enlightened, cannot return. It's a one-way journey out of the Matrix into the real world. Neo looks at the two choices, and then he decides. He decides consciously to leave the Matrix to enter the real world. So the question I pose here is that, if we realize that we're living under some kind of divine control, do we have a choice of breaking out of that? The movie seems to suggest that Neo had a real choice about his salvation, to save himself from a world where he's not free to make his own choices, and where Things he sees not real but are engineered. In Christianity, there are two differing points. Firstly, the term salvation is different in Christianity. In the Matrix or the Gnostic Gospel, salvation is to be saved from ignorance. In Christianity, salvation is to be saved from our own sin and thus the consequences of our sin, which is separation from God. In the Matrix, once people have been enlightened about the truth, They get to choose whether they want to keep living in ignorance or to live in the real world. In Christianity, it's a bit more complicated than whether we do or do not have a choice over our salvation from sin. In Christianity, the two main streams of theological beliefs on salvation are the Calvinistic and the Armenian thoughts. Basically, Calvinistic thought states that God alone has the power to save a person Therefore, no one can boast that they have chosen to believe. This is supported by the verse in Romans 8.29-30 where it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. In my experience, the Calvinistic stream tends to go round in circles. God saves, but humans are responsible for their own choices. So believers are not meant to boast that they made the right choice to believe in Christ, because God has caused them to believe in the first place. At the same time, we will be punished for not believing in Christ. But how can we be punished if we didn't have a real choice in the first place? And on it goes. However circular this argument can appear to be, I do identify myself as a reformed Calvinistic Christian in that I believe that it is somehow true that salvation is a gift from God so no one can boast 
but at the same time, we're held responsible for our choices. And here I just want to make a distinction between taking the step of faith and knowing the truth or being told the truth. That Neil was told the truth was not enough for him to be saved. He had to make a choice. And this is similar to the Christian way of understanding about being a believer. That people are told the gospel is not sufficient for anyone to be saved. But God needs to step in to what we call open the eyes of the person in order for that person to be saved. Or to believe or to see God or to understand the gospel. So in a distinctly contrasting way, Neil opened his own eyes. He made the choice to enter the real world to see it for himself. But a Christian has his eyes opened, passive tense, by God. Luke 24, 31 says, Then their eyes, referring to the disciples, were opened and they recognized him, referring to Jesus. And he, Jesus, disappeared from their sight. This is referring to the disciples who couldn't recognize Jesus even after following him for a few years until their eyes were opened. It's passive, passive tense. So in conclusion, the word salvation means different things in the Matrix or the Gnostic Gospel where it means to be saved from ignorance by the choices we make, whereas in Christianity, salvation is to be saved from our own sin by God alone. So salvation is not entirely the choice of the person, but also a gift from God. The next section is to truly live, and I am going to explore what it means to truly live according to the matrix and the Christian gospel. So Morpheus tells Neo that in order to live in the real world, they need to escape from the matrix in a one-way journey into the real world. Only in the real world do they have the ability to be in control of their own fate and destiny. They can make real choices and take real actions that have real consequences. On the other hand, to live in the dream world is to merely exist for the machine's higher purpose. It's not living, it's merely existing. And again, the sting seems to be that those who live in the matrix do not realize they're being controlled. The sting is that they think they're making real choices, but in fact, they're not. What then is real? If what is real, to quote the movie, is what you can see, what you can feel, what you can sense, then what is real is just electrical signals received and transmitted into the central nervous system where we perceive and interpret objects and events. On the other hand, in the real world, it seems, reality is more than just electrical signals. People are able to have control over their own destiny. They don't just exist, but are free from the watchful eyes of the machines. To truly live is to have this freedom to experience the world as it really is without the control of a human, without the control of a divine being. And that's very different from what it means to truly live in the Bible. In the Bible, to truly live is to know and to be reconciled with God, to be intimately connected with him. And only in Christ that is in God can a person fully live. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So some may think that to be a Christian is to have a set of rules over one's life. But actually it's much more than that. To be a Christian is to come face to face with one's creator, to confess one's sin, to receive his forgiveness and to vow to live under God's rule. 
And one of the things a Christian finds himself or herself do after becoming Christian is that yes, there are rules, but we don't do them because we have to. We do them because we love our God and we know that God condones things like injustice, judgment, greed, impatience, and so on. And when your life is filled with love for God, who also loves you and all his creation, you find yourself living a different kind of freedom. It's a spiritual freedom because you've been forgiven of eternal punishment and you've been reconciled with your creator who created you. And this definition of what it means to truly live is completely different from the matrix. In the matrix, to be free and truly live is to come to knowledge of a truth that what you see is not real and that in order to escape from this dream, you need to save yourself so that you can live freely without the control of the machines. So salvation comes from knowledge or in the Gnostic gospel, salvation comes from gnosis, which means knowledge. In Christianity, to be free and truly live is exactly the opposite. Instead of living without the control of a divine being, Christians actually confess to live under God's rule. And to do this is to be reconciled with him, which means to come to confess one's sin, to say that we're sinners and that we need his forgiveness, and subsequently to receive his mercy. And here I also want to comment on our cultural message of what it means to live. Usually, marketing taglines say, Something along the line of, we have one life, live it to the fullest. And to live fully and truly seems to be to experience as much as we can, as though these experiences we collect are able to satisfy us. Christianity offers different alternatives, and indeed, many religions offer alternatives to the consumerism ideology. The message offered by the Christian God, again, coming back to the verse I mentioned above, John 10.10, where it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is that to live truly and freely is to come to know our creator, be reconciled with him and to live under his rule. And to do this is to acknowledge our sin, receive his forgiveness and believe in him. The next section is what is truth? Descartes was a philosopher who suggested that What we see and experience as real may not be indeed real. Reality may not be as we see or experience it to be. And how indeed do we know we are not in the Matrix ourselves? A scary notion is that what we see in the Matrix movie may indeed be our lived experience. We experience life as it is, work, travel, family, worship, suffering, joy, we dream, We aspire, we work towards goals, we achieve, and we fail goals, we grow old, we pray. But how do we know we're in control of our actions? How do we know we're not controlled by an AI watching over us above the sky? How do we know we're not controlled by God, like a puppeteer putting on a show for himself? Matrix deals with the question of what is and isn't real explicitly. And here I want to point out that the question of What is truth is actually one of the fundamental questions dealt with in the biblical story. Truth is an age-old question. There's a scene in the Bible when Jesus was handed over to the Roman governor, Pilate, to be tried. This is a scene in John 18, when the Jews brought Jesus, who was also a Jew, 
to the Roman court. So Pilate actually asked them to judge Jesus in the Jewish court, but the Jews said they couldn't because they wanted to execute Jesus, and they didn't have the right to do that. So when Pilate was interrogating Jesus about who he was and what he'd done, Jesus said his kingdom is from another place because if his kingdom was here on earth, his servants wouldn't hand him over to the Jewish leaders who were accusing him. So Pilate says, so you're saying you're a king? And Jesus says, you say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And then Pilate, hearing this, says, what is truth? Pilate says, what is truth? When Jesus responded that he came to testify to the truth. Isn't that interesting that Pilate would say that? Why would he say that? And what did Jesus mean when he said he was here to testify to the truth and that people who know the truth would be on his side? In the movie, the truth is that the Matrix world is engineered and so a real world outside the Matrix exists, and that's the truth. So people who find out this truth will make a choice whether to save themselves from the Matrix or to stay. It seems that people are able to be enlightened and then live in truth in the real world if they so choose. So what is the biblical truth? Obviously, it's a different truth than the one in the Matrix, and it's probably considered by a lot of people to be quite a bizarre truth, but here it is. The biblical truth is actually summed up quite nicely in the Nicene Creed, and there are various versions of the Nicene Creed, but this is a short one from my church that we affirm every Sunday, and it's very hard to summarize, so I'm just going to read it out because it is what most Christians believe to be true. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus will come to judge from there to judge the living and the dead. We also believe in the Holy Spirit, also the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So as a Christian, there's no questioning of whether this world is real. It is real. God created it. It may be a passing world, that it's a perishable world, as the Bible tells us, but it is real. God is not controlling us like a puppeteer. He gave us free will, as he says in Genesis. And there are lots of other truths and worldviews. A good friend of mine, he doesn't know it, but he holds the progressive view. He believes that the world is always moving to a better place. People will be better people. Society will be a better society, more advanced. Technology will solve problems. As if time is moving towards a peak or a utopia. I don't believe that to be true, but some do. Do you? The next section is to be born again. To be born again seems like a silly idea. In John 3, a Jew seems to have come to see Jesus as who he is, the Son of God. And Jesus tells him that for anyone to come to that realization, 
the person needs to be born again. So the Jew says to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's John 3 verse 4. Jesus is actually referring to a spiritual rebirth. Like I mentioned before, God opens one's eyes to see him, and when one's eyes are open, they're spiritually reborn. They see God as who he is, their maker. As the famous hymn goes, I was once blind, but now I see. Every Christian has a different story to tell about their own experiences of how this happens, but the Bible also gives us countless stories when people suddenly change because they've seen God. In The Matrix, the idea of rebirth is also illustrated. I love the scene where Neil goes through the rebirth process of his old self and enters the real world. Like I said in the synopsis, he's stripped naked, he's flushed down a channel, and then he wakes up in a pod that looks like a placenta. He breaks through the pod, and then his connection point that looks like umbilical cord behind his neck gets disconnected by a machine, and then he wakes up as a brand new Neil in the real world. In the Matrix, people are physically reborn. They get a new connection point behind their neck. They also get new physical powers downloaded to them. Neo is reborn when he finally lives in the real world, free from the control of the machines. He's a brand new person, able to make his own choices. Not only that, he has new abilities, new physical powers. To be born again, it seems, is to be free from the machine's control and to have new physical powers. In Christianity, being born again is not about gaining physical power or to live freely without the control of God. In fact, it's quite the contrary. A person is spiritually born again when they believe in Jesus and vow to live under God's rule. One of the verses that supports this is in 1 Peter 1.23 where it refers to a spiritual rebirth. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And that's the end of my podcast. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to leave a review of this podcast. Thank you. See you again next time.